Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. Did you, uh, have you watched the previews for Vikings Valhalla yet? Oh, no, there's actually a trailer out? Yeah. Based on the, uh, the IMDb alone, just like the characters, I think it's gonna be pretty cool. I mean, at time of recording, it's just now being announced, but by the time this airs, it'll have been out already. Oh, I didn't think about that. So. Yeah, so apologies for uh, us not having, (laughs) I guess we could still, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how we'll deal with that. It it doesn't look like it really hinges a lot. It it does look like more of a spinoff, but I have a little conspiracy theory in my mind that that's actually the reason why the Wikipedia page no longer says that the character of Eric in season six is Eric the Red. Because they are basically re- branding this new character as the actual eric the red or or the retconning that their their guy was never eric the red in the first place because they never actually said right it. so the the main character and i'm putting that in air quotes since we're a, an audio only thing the main character it looks like for this new show is going to be leaf erickson okay so i don't know if eric the red is going to actually be a character in the show but he'll almost certainly be mentioned and talked about and it's definitely not going to be the guy from season six because that guy didn't have any kids and was also murdered by a slave for some reason (laughs) even though there was like all these like very heavy allusions to him being eric the red even though that would be completely screwed up with the timeline but that was just kind of them tying up tying up some loose ends but yes we are talking about season six of vikings (laughs) today and we'll actually get a little maybe more into uh, eric the red i think in our the second half of our discussion Next time, I wanted to focus this episode on the Russian stuff. So yes, welcome to History and Film. We are discussing the TV show Vikings as we count down here just a few weeks away from starting American history in chronological order, one movie at a time. And we are talking about season six of Vikings, specifically looking at the Russian side of things in today's episode which I was kind of excited. I mentioned how, to me, the show kind of jumped the shark in season five, and I just kind of rolled my eyes at a lot of things and kind of felt that it just was the kind of like a lot of lather, rinse, repeats, and just doing the same things over and over again. And when they went to Russia, I kind of got excited again. Yeah, it was a good switch up. Just again, I love how they just introduced all these characters, and, and here was more ones I hadn't heard of. So, like, when they would go to, like, France and England, I'd heard of a lot of those people. You know, not Count Odo and people like that. But when they went over the Russia stuff, I hadn't heard of any of these people. So just kind of looking at the Wikipedia pages as you're watching the show, and it's just... I just dig... You know, I said it from our first episode on Vikings, how I just really, really enjoy how much they don't make up. They make up a lot. They change a lot. But the fact that... Oh, they're calling this guy Oleg the Prophet. Oh, because there's action, actual Oleg the Prophet. Like, just little things like that that you just, they feel so invented. Like, nope, they didn't invent that part. Yeah. So, yeah, we we end up in Russia because we follow Ivar. At the end of season five, Bjorn has defeated Ivar and kicked him out of Kattegat. And he kind of sneaks away from Kattegat and ends up in hiding in... Kievan Rus. As a a cool little historical thing, the reason that he's able to get to 
Kievan Rus is because he takes the Silk Road. That was my first note here. Yes, yes. That uh, he, which we've mentioned before, talking about Genghis Khan and just mm-hmm. kind of over the centuries, it was just kind of this trade route. It was it wasn't like a you know defined thing like you know labeled like a little street sign, Silk Road. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Maybe that. Yeah, that might be kind of a misconception. People think it's like a highway with like mile markers, and right? It, exit signs, and it's the Silk. Yeah. yeah, it's a concept, and and makes me think of something i'm sure i've mentioned this at some point probably on the podcast but it's probably been a couple years when i was little i was confused when they talked about things being sold on the black market i was like well just send the police to the black market and shut it down (laughs) like it was like like it was like a a place like a flea market yes (laughs) it's like well if if everyone knows about this black market we'll just go shut it down (laughs) and again obviously that's you know being you know naive as a kid and stuff but that's maybe a better way to think about the Silk Road. Now, obviously, that's more tangible because you could go to trade routes along the Silk Road, but it is more of just the concept of this line of trading outposts stretched along from Asia into Europe. It was so it's just it's more of the concept of this long mm-hmm. string of trade routes and everything than it was an actual place, right? More of an actual place than the black market, but <laughs> and. Also, the name of the dark web website that Ross Ulbricht started in the mid-2000s where he was selling drugs. Well, he he wasn't selling. He just made the website so that other people could sell guns and drugs and stuff, and now he's in prison. And it was called Silk Road? Yeah, he called the website the Silk Road. Hmm. Well, he's a student of history who's in prison, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the book about it, American Kingpin, is pretty good. I haven't seen the movie, but I heard it's garbage. I guess they, they uh, okay. made a movie about it last year. That huh. Probably. It sounded like it sucked, but... No, I, yeah, I, well, I wasn't familiar with any of that. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess that's a book to check out. Yeah, so they kind of mentioned in the show, and, and you'll get into more of this. You kind of did our deep dive on old Oleg here, but uh, they mentioned the, the Rus ties to Scandinavia. And what I was reading... Some people were saying there's a little bit of debate as to whether or not there actually is Norse origins to the Rus, but most sites seem to agree that, you know, the Swedes or someone from kind of Scandinavia there, they did migrate kind of at the beginning of the Viking times. And even with the first season of of Vikings, where they talk about, oh, we're tired of raiding out east, we want to go west, and that's kind of Ragnar's whole thing, which in Norway, they kind of did start going west, but, you know, Sweden's just kind of right there across the, the Baltic to get into what is now northwestern russia and so yeah they did start migrating there and interacting with the peoples there and then the rivers because of the viking ships we've always mentioned they could go easily up into the rivers and so they definitely got involved and incorporated into this part of the world and i don't know how much this ties into what you researched with oleg so did you look up much on rurik and the rurikids and all that a a little bit just because that's kind of the um, origin story of how Oleg became the prince of Novgorod. Yeah, so basically, at one point there was there was this guy named uh, Rurik. So I'll, I'll kind of talk about Rurik for just for a, a minute here, and then I'll kick it to you to kind of get into Oleg, and then we can t- talk about how that ties into the show in general. Basically, yeah, basically there was this ruler in the area uh, named Rurik, and a lot of the early leaders were kind of were kind of called the Rurikids after this guy, and Rurik's son was one. Igor, who we see in the show. So the show kind of is uh, not too long after Rurik would have died, I guess. And we and we kind of see right after that. So, and we see, the, and it's Oleg's, I think they call him his brother, Deer, in the show here. But I don't know, does the show mention much with uh, Askold? 
Uh, yeah, Askold is the one that he poisons. Is that another? And then that's another brother. In the, yeah, in in the show, it's his brother. I don't know if historically, I didn't see anywhere that said that they were actually brothers. Although I guess that would make sense because they were all princes. So Askold and Oleg and Deer were all princes, but it didn't. It at least nowhere that I saw it, it definitively said that they were all brothers. But in the show, they are brothers okay so the one thing i kind of read here is that uh some sources kind of say that they even kind of pair them up that uh Askold and deer were yeah. tasked by rurik uh to go to constantinople but then along the way they just kind of settled near kiev and that they were later betrayed by o- uh, oleg but i'll let you get into that but i did want to mention real quick too that there are ties to ragnar lothbrook in some of these old stories mm-hmm. and that some even saying that Askold was like the son of bjorn ironside or maybe the son yeah. of Vitzerk, or was maybe right. also Vitzerk himself, or or, right. or also possible Asgord and Deer were the same person. But uh, yeah, why don't you gonna go and then tie that into with uh, the actual Oleg the Prophet? Yeah, so Oleg the Prophet, aka Oleg of Novgorod, he was born in the mid 800s. We're not really sure when, but he was a prince of Novgorod, which we actually talked about Novgorod in the. Uh, Ivar, the Ivan the Terrible episodes when he massacred the whole city. And and Alexander Nevsky also, way back, goes uh, was dealt with Novgorod as well, yeah. Yeah, he was a relative of Rurik, and actually the I saw a term in, like, reading about this, the Rus Vikings that I hadn't heard before, Varangian. Had you heard of that before? Just in the research this last week. Yeah, yeah. So I I had never seen that before, but apparently it's just the word that like the Russians and the Greeks and people in Eastern Europe would use to refer to the Vikings. So it's basically just another word for Viking. But anyways, so he's a a relative of the Varangian ruler Rurik, probably brother-in-law, but it's not 100%. And like you mentioned, uh, Rurik did actually have a son named Igor uh, that we see in the show. Oleg uh, killed Askold and Deer to take control of Kievan Rus. Yeah, I also have in my notes about the Fitzirk Askold okay, connection okay. that there he is maybe a son of Fitzirk, or some people think maybe even Fitzirk himself because Fitzirk was a contemporary of Rurik, and there are some sources that indicate that he fought in Eastern Europe around that time, just like we see in the show. Oleg did lead a raid on Constantinople in 907 against the Byzantine Empire, and that actually resulted in they kind of worked out a peace deal that was also a trade agreement that was hugely beneficial to both Kievan Rus and to the uh, Byzantines. And one interesting thing about that raid, uh, I don't know how, again, how much of this is legend and how much of this is very historically known, but it said that he was using wheeled boats to conduct this raid. So, like, basically he put these, like, ships with sails on them, but instead of in water, he puts wheels on them and then uses them as these, like, wind-powered vehicles to, like, raid the city super fast from really far away. So basically, like, a hovercraft or even, like, early car, like, a thousand years ago, just wind-powered. Yeah, wind powered. Like he w- he had to wait for the wind to blow in the direction of Constantinople. He's you know and then he's, attack he's far away on the other side of the horizon, and then he's like, "All right, everyone, the winds the wind is correct. Everyone in the boats." And they're like, "Zoom over to Constantinople," which I thought 
was really cool. <laughs> you have to have a really flat surface heading into the battle, but that's that's yeah. yeah, that's brilliant if that's true, yeah. But yeah, and and there is a, you know, he he talks about in the show like I affixed my shield to the gates of Constantinople and that that is something that he actually did in hmm. this on this raid in 907. There is another thing that I noticed when reading about him is there's a lot of debate over when he was actually alive and when he ruled. So I guess there's certain sources that place him earlier and some place him later. And in order for those, for like both accounts to be correct, he would have had to have been like 300 years old. Oh, <laughs> so he did exist, but we're not sure when then? Yeah, not not 100% sure, but the, the consensus is mid-1800s 18, 18, mid to like early 900s. Um, his death is said to be around the year 912. Okay. So the other the other accounts must refer to somebody else ultimately. Yeah. 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 And another thing with the timeline in the show, so they sh- they have Ivar being the one who's, you know, going to Kievan Rus which almost certainly never happened. Right. Because he was basically in England and Ireland like his entire career. Also, Ivar died in 873 or around 873, and Oleg didn't even become the Prince of Novgorod until 882. Right, which is actually closer than I initially thought. So it was almost overlap, but yeah, uh, I did yeah. I did see that Oleg was kind of younger than all these other guys, mm-hmm. like by a generation. So he, he died in eight, or in, uh, he died in 912. There was no like definitive historical account of his death that I could find, but I did find a cool story about how it happened or like the legend i guess the the legend of how he died i guess you know part of him being the prophet he like foresaw that his horse was going to be the cause of his death and so he lets his horse go basically kicks it out of novgorod and says you know go away so you don't kill me i don't i don't love you anymore go away right i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna ride a different horse now and the horse leaves and like years later he finds out that the horse died and goes to the place where um, this horse's skeleton is now and reaches down to touch the skull and a snake is living in the skull and jumps out of the eye socket and bites him and that's how he dies from the snake bite (laughs) and that fulfilled the prophecy i love stories like that yeah so what about what about him historically as far as oh i guess that is kind of a prophet thing is is there is there other kind of examples of him using his no, like no specific examples but i i guess it might also be a kind of a translation thing oh so it might not be prophet but more of like the way that the norse word for priest is translated into russian and then translated into english is more like prophet but it is also maybe just priest okay so so obviously in the show we kind of see him He's just really good at kind of making deductions or he has kind of evidence that he doesn't know other people know he has. And so he can pretend he's making these prophetic, not visions, but just like predictions. And really, he just has legit knowledge. Uh, It always reminds me of one of my favorite fantasy series. It's not even, it's it's kind of low fantasy. Anyway, there's a a Merlin trilogy written by Mary Stewart in like the 70s, I think. It's very, very... low fantasy i.e there's not a lot of magic or mystical creatures and so her merlin is really just really freaking smart Mm -hmm. and so he's so smart 
that he's able to capitalize on superstitions at the time and just convinces everyone that he's a wizard because how else but magic could you accomplish these feats? But he's like, like he's a really good engineer and stuff like that. Or oh, nice, yeah. yeah. So and there's, there's a few instances of like like small magic. Like I think he can like start a fire without you know any kindling. Like like this small, tiny, tiny little things. Or there's a famous Arthurian legend of you know he literally turns uh, Uther into another guy so that he can sleep with the wife, and that's how Arthur is conceived. And, and that's the legend that he literally transformed the guy. Well. The book illustrates that and how he just figured out a way to smuggle him into the castle when the guy's not home. Oh, nice. And, and the wife just actually liked Uther and wasn't, like, tricked. But then that becomes the legend of he spirited Uther to look like the guy to get in, and that's how the legendary Arthur is conceived. And Yeah. Anyway, just kind of playing up the mystique based on superstition at the time. Anyway. Yeah, so it looks like, the, yeah, the, the real guy was either just, like, a priest, and it's a uh, translation thing, or the people that are writing about it were kind of, like, making fun of him because of the legend of how he died <laughs> like oh yeah you're a real you're a real prophet you did a real good job seeing that one you know oh wow that's kind of funny that's kind of like all those french nicknames we saw with the bald guy who oh, uh, right. charles the bald isn't bald and all that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh igar or igor or whatever would have actually been his was actually his ward though or was that real so i didn't see anything about his his ward but igor did succeed him Right. After his death, he succeeded him as the ruler of Kiev. And Igor's father is said to be Rurikid or Rurik or whatever. Is, yeah, the Prince Rurik. So I, I don't know how much of like the ward stuff is real. Okay. But the genealogy lines up. Okay. And then uh, I had some notes on, on Igor. I forget if it's Igor or Igor. I, but, uh, I, I just think Igor because of Frankenstein. Like Frankenstein. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So uh, we don't know much about the historical Igor, um, and even actually the length of his reign is not certain, because we're not sure if the sources, basically if we're reading, oh, I forget the years, it's like, oh, is this supposed to be 843 or 873? Anyway, so he ruled either three years or 31 years, just depending on how you read certain <laughs> certain sources. So that's how little we, we, we know uh, about him. I've talked about it a million times. Like this was a show that you had to be careful about watching or looking up Wikipedia stuff because you would get spoilers from actual Wikipedia. So Absolutely. I had I had quote made the mistake of looking up Prince Igor early on in the season six and saw that oh okay well he goes on to father children and be the king. I'm so like oh well I know he doesn't die. So, <laughs> but at this at the same time though there are characters they trick us with Eric the Red. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. That's true. That's true. So two very interesting things, though, about Igor here. One, his wife was actually kind of tied in with helping spread Christianity in Russia and built some churches. It was actually their grandson who kind of finalized the conversion of Russia to Christianity, which ties into something we see in the show, how Oleg is like this devout Christian and he's like, pretending to be Jesus in the Easter celebration, and they're, and they're like, uh, oh, it's not called flogging, but they're doing all that stuff to him. Yeah. But based on the timeline, Oleg would not have been Christian, from what I'm saying. He would have predated all that. He still would have been... Oh, he would have still been like a... Pagan too, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like with the Norse gods, like Odin. And right, right. So yeah, the, the early attempts in like the 9th century didn't really stick in, in Russia, and then the main, the main conversion was in ni- 988, is the year when Vladimir the Great of Russia 
or you know proto Russia, what was kind of you know Russia at the time there, kind of converted yeah. his fa- him and his family converted, and that kind of got the whole country on board. But that was almost a century after Oleg. But yes, uh, Igor's wife is Saint Olga now because she did have these early attempts of uh, building churches in Russia and stuff. Uh, and then the other interesting thing about Igor here is um, how he died. He was collecting taxes slash tribute in an area that maybe thought he was getting a little greedy with all the taxation and stuff. So uh, they tied one side of his body to a birch tree that they had been down to the ground. And they tied the other side of his body to another birch tree that they had been down to the ground. And then they released the birch trees at the same time. And the trees go back to upright and tear him apart. They do that in the show. For, yeah. Not to him, oh. but to some other guy. Oh, that's right. So, okay, I've, and again, I've, I haven't seen the show as recently as you. I forgot they did that in the show. That's how the actual Igor died. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's almost a little bit of a foreshadowing for Igor's death. Then. Is Igor there when they do that? Yeah, I forget who they do it to, but it's in Kiev. Basically, Oleg does it probably, right? Because he's kind of a sadist in the show. Oleg does it to somebody kind of as like a flex to show how cool he is to Ivar. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of always showing off to Ivar in an interesting way, isn't he? I actually really liked that the dynamic between Oleg and Ivar because it's like you kind of see like so Ivar basically gets to his like peak delusion and peak crazy in season five. Right. And then he goes to see, you know, Oleg and then like Oleg is doing all the crazy stuff. And then Ivar kind of mellows out like, oh, this is. Almost like, oh, is this how everyone, like, perceives me as this, like, wacky, crazy, super violent guy? And he is still crazy and super violent for the rest of the show. But, you know, it's kind of a, it was a cool interaction to see, just to see Oleg and Ivar hanging out, which unfortunately didn't happen in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Something that I just thought of is the dynamic we see between Oleg and Ivar is almost in a weird way similar to the relationship of the main characters in Ex Machina where there's this kind of like psychological battle Mm. and you don't know what Oleg is actually planning or actually thinking and he's saying one thing but it might actually just be a trick to or 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 even going the other way it's like Ramsey Bolton and Theon Greyjoy where it's, it's just these psychological yeah games and torture and it's like i'm gonna say one thing like so like in the show when they have oleg's wife sleeping with ivar and then betraying oleg i thought it was all set up i was convinced it was all a setup oh yeah 100 percent. i thought that she was she was uh gonna double or triple cross somebody right right which made her like her actual loyalty then was almost kind of like a plot twist because it was it was kind of foreshadowed or hinted to that like she's you know kind of devious she might be trying to double cross ivar so you're like expecting the twist to come and yeah then when it doesn't it's like oh that's the twist is that there was no twist <laughs> which was kind of cool <laughs> and, and again i just talking about the show in general here now is Again, I mentioned not being as big a fan of season five and season six, even though I think season six was a bit of a rebound from season five. I still just found Ivar's arc unconvincing in the sense that like I kind of like the Ivar in season season six, mm-hmm. but I don't think it meshes realistically with the Ivar we see in season five that I guess I was convinced he had convinced himself he was a god. And I guess you can be like, oh, well, I lost. So I guess I'm not. But then he goes so back to kind of normal 
that it just to me just didn't feel like the same character. The, the Ivar we get throughout the whole series, even though I like the idea of the character, I just feel like he's too inconsistent. And they're just having rant, like it's it's easy to write it and have the actor play it. Yeah, but it just doesn't feel re- like realistic at all, or that all the twists and turns that he goes through throughout his life are earned, and he just goes from so vicious and manipulative, and then thinking he's a god, and then he's kind of more just kind of like the philosopher in season six, kind of just observing things in Russia, and just to me, it just didn't, it never meshed. It just didn't feel right to me for whatever reason. Yeah, I I kind of felt the same way, but I I chalked that up to which I mean we the way that we watched the show was different. I chalk that up to, oh, well, I'm watching this back to back to back all at once, whereas people watching this when it came out, it was months between seasons and a week between episodes, so maybe I'm just, like, picking up on stuff that isn't meant to really be picked up on watching it normally, but yeah, yeah, I can I can see that, but how there's kind of a inconsistency, but it, I don't know, at the same time, though, like, I still... I still really liked the performance. I still really liked Ivar as a character, even the over-the-top stuff I really liked. But I can see where you're coming from. Um, I'm trying to think what else in the show itself happens in Russia that's of note. Well, they have the... Uh, there's the whole like subplot scheming with Prince Deer to overthrow... You know, to have uh, Igor kill Oleg and overthrow... And that was all... That was that's all made up for the show because Deer would have been killed already, right? Deer was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The only reason that Oleg was the ruler of all of Kievan Rus in the first place is because he killed Askold and Deer. Whereas in the show, they just have him depose Deer or take over from Deer, but then Deer kind of escapes into exile. Or he kills Askold, right, and then captures Deer, and then Ivar helps Deer escape, and then Deer comes back and like. As a in a revolution, yeah, and kills Oleg, which none of none of that happened, right? Because Oleg never actually lost power by force like right. that. Okay, and the whole oh yeah, the Russians are attacking Katagat, and there's you know this big invasion of Norway by the Rus Vikings. Also, was not really a thing because like at this time in the late ninth century, early tenth century, Kievan Rus was still very Viking. Like, they were still culturally very similar. Right. In the show, they make it seem like generations ago, we had our roots in... The, it, no, it's like, that was 30 years ago, dude. Like Right. Like, Askold is maybe a son of Bjorn Ironside. Like, it's... Right. There's still very strong ties back to their Viking roots at this time. They had not become, like you said, they hadn't become Orthodox Christian yet. They hadn't... Uh, had this big like cultural shift away from their Scandinavian roots yet. They were still very much almost the exact same culture. Another minor nitpick I had. So they have, uh, when he captures deer, he actually puts this, like, what do you call that? Like the chain, like through his cheek. Oh yeah. Basically pierce his cheek. And he just has this, like this, he's chained through his cheek and, right. and they release him and all that. But I'm, and I, I just couldn't help but think, there's no way that doesn't get infected and kill him. <laughs> like, oh, like it basically has it basically heals yeah. up after he's been like that for you're like that for yeah. a week. There's no way that anyway. And then like we see him right. later, he's got like oh, just a little scar. I'm like, no, 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 no. That injury yeah. is probably killing him through infection. And if not, like that's oh yeah, I I doubt that number one that any of the implements used to uh, <laughs> to put that in were sterile. And then on top of that. 
they chain him through the cheek and then just like throw him in this tiny little cage outdoors next to all the animals right for, like, right weeks <laughs> yeah no you're dead <laughs> <laughs> and then i just had like a one sentence note on on novgorod we've talked about before we mentioned it is one of the oldest cities in russia and just very very critical in all its early years it was kind of one of the main centers of right. early russian life before moscow was prominent before kiev was prominent before saint petersburg was established novgorod was a very very major russian city and like we talked about in the ivan the terrible stuff back during the tournament and i i don't know if you mentioned it i don't remember if you mentioned it and when, when you did the uh the movie originally but oh right basically ivan the terrible is the reason that novgorod isn't like a saint petersburg today right right it was a major city that just got set back yeah permanently by ivan the terrible because he just just massacred it and it is a it is a the city itself which i kind of thought was kind of interesting the city itself is a unesco world heritage site oh really the way i was reading it maybe i was reading it wrong or honestly it was wikipedia maybe it was just explained wrong there but my understanding was it's not like not like the cathedral or a certain street like no the city of novgorod is a unesco world heritage site i think there are other cities like that too um i can't think of any examples off the top of my head but I, i think that there are other cities where it's like you know the entire city is itself historically significant enough to hmm. be a uh, world heritage site. Uh, we get the whole Freddy's thing looking like uh, Ivar's white, but again, I mean, some of this stuff isn't necessarily even worth. I liked that choice. That was interesting. It was the first time that they did that, obviously. It was interesting that they cast the same actress as a different character, but you know they own it by having him say whoa she looks just like that girl (laughs) yeah but then also it's like kind of unclear and also not really ever explained whether ivar just sees her as the reincarnation of his wife or if it's just like uh, another woman that looks similar or if there is because in this show there is like straight up supernatural magic that happens or if it, it is some sort of supernatural thing where it's like, oh, the gods are like punishing Ivar for killing Freitas in the first place by, you know, oh, huh. tormenting him with this woman that's the same person. But it's like, it's not really ever, no one else brings it up other than Ivar. Like even like Fitzirk, who knows who Freitas is and has seen her is not like the first time he meets her, like, oh my god, you are the exact same person as Freitas, the woman that I knew from Catacombs. Oh, that's true. Right, right. I didn't think about that part of it. Yeah, so I, I never thought there was anything supernatural going on, even within the construct of the show. But you're right, the fact that Vitzerg is like, well, yeah, I guess kinda, shows that them using the same actress is more for us and Ivar than it yeah. is a literal, she looks that much like her. Right. And most of the stuff that we see in Novgorod and in Kiev is all from uh, Ivar's POV. I mean, that's why it makes sense that that character would be played by that actress, but also no one else really recognizes it other than Ivar, because that's like the the story of of the Rus Vikings. Oleg is not the main character. Ivar is. Oh, right. In the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that probably does it for the Kevin Roos that we see in Vikings. And we will finish up our discussion of Season 6 and of the show Vikings in general next time. Stay tuned. <laughs>